In this podcast episode, we introduce you to our BCEN and friend, Lindsay Davis. As Michael Dexter and Mark Eggers talk with Lindsay Davis, listen to the story she shares with them, especially the one about coming back from a vacation with her husband that turned into a life-saving story you will not soon forget. This episode is called Emergency Nursing Beyond Bedside Care. Hello! And welcome to BCN and Friends Podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education and Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCEN. Hi, Michael. Hey, Mark. It's good to be with you today. Thank you. Well, in this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Lindsay Davis. Michael, could you tell us a little bit about BCN and friend Lindsay? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Mark. I know Lindsay from her work with BCEN as a practice exam item writer. She resides in Suffolk, Virginia, where she grew up. It's a rural area, so she grew up as a bit of a country kid. She's married to her husband, Evan, for the last five years, and they have three children, Leonora, Ezekiel, and Ryder. She's part of a big, loving family and is the oldest of seven kids. Uh, Lindsay has been an emergency department and trauma nurse for about seven years, and she obtained her CEN in December of 2017 and her TCRN less than a month later in January of 2018. So Lindsay, welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast, and we're excited to have you with us today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so thank you for being here. And again, uh, I mentioned that you've been a nurse for about seven years now, and you hold two BCEN certifications. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your career in emergency nursing, why you became an emergency nurse, and, and what you do? Sure. I went to nursing school at Liberty University, which is in Lynchburg, Virginia, graduated from there, and I did a very brief time on a pulmonary unit, which is like a step-down unit. Quickly found out that was not the career for me, that specialty was not for me. So I, at the time, had just met my to-be husband, Evan, and he is an EMT intermediate. And so at the time, I was like, well, maybe I'll try out the emergency department so I could see my my little crush at the time, who's now my husband. So that's what made me kind of try out the emergency department. I didn't think I was going to want to stay there at all. But the second I set foot in the ER and I just saw like the environment, kind of a feel for it, I immediately within the first hour knew this is this is my jam. This is where I belong. So I kind of had been been there ever since. I've done a couple other things here and there, but I've always been in the emergency department. I was a clinical adjunct faculty for a little bit, so I taught a clinical group of nursing students. Shout out to them. They're amazing. And I've done um, home triage nursing for a little bit while I was pregnant with one of my babies. But overall, I've done the majority of my career in the emergency department, and I don't see myself going anywhere else anytime soon. Okay, awesome. And on one of our recent uh, practice exam item writing calls, you had mentioned how you enjoy item writing because it kind of gives you a refocus on emergency care and, and lets you focus on the different aspects of, of why you became an ER nurse. So can you speak to us a little bit more about your involvement 
in practice exam item writing with BCEN and, and why you enjoy that? Yes. So after several years, anyone who's been in the emergency department for a while can attest to how you get a little bit worn down, a little bit burnt out, especially with the pandemic, which I started the item writing before the pandemic started, but um, you can kind of get in a rut, I guess, and you just start to go through the motions because you're doing uh, often the same things on repeat. Um, and item writing just kind of unexpectedly made me excited for taking care of patients again and excited for emergency nursing. It made me start re remembering why we're doing what we're doing, critically thinking again, instead of just comes in and I just know I do X, Y, Z. Sometimes you just don't even think about why you're doing it. You just do it because you know that's what needs to be done. But in research and writing items, it's kind of just made me start thinking deeper and, you know, just got the wheels turning, shake off some of the dust a little bit um, when I'm in the clinical setting with my patients. So I'll be like, oh, I remember reading something about this. So it just kind of refreshed things for me a lot and made me more excited again to go back to work, which hadn't happened in a little bit after you've been there for a while. So. Yeah, definitely. So how did you become an item writer with BCEN? Because people ask me sometimes like, were you just in the right place at the right time? Or how did you get involved with BCEN? And for me, it was BCEN sent out an email with a, with a questionnaire and I responded. Was it the same with you? It was exactly the same for me. Um, it was an email asking for participants in the CEN role delineation study. And I don't think I even knew what that was at the time, but I was like, this sounds kind of cool. And I, I don't even remember putting in my application. It was very fast. It wasn't a very extensive application. And they emailed me back and said, you are selected. So they flew me out to, I think it's Oklahoma. I can't even remember what city it was. Um, so I went out there for a couple of days for the role delineation study, enjoyed that, had a blast. And then several months later, uh, someone who was involved with that study emailed me and asked if I'd be interested in being an item writer. And that's how I kind of got recruited to be an item writer. Okay, awesome. Uh, you'd mentioned uh, item writing and how it, it seems to mimic your clinical practice in terms of you'll see something that you're studying for for an item or you're writing an item and the next thing you know you have, have a similar situation happen in clinical practice can you tell us a little bit more about how again just being involved in bcen being involved in some of these item writings uh, that you've done has in turn improved or changed your clinical practice any specific examples of that Sure. I think a big part of it is also not just my own personal research and study I do for writing items, but it's also the discussion and dialogue that happens in our item writing sessions where I'm hearing from all these very seasoned ED nurses from around the country. Um, you know, I, in the grand scheme of things, I'm still kind of a baby in the ED world or in, as a nurse. So to hear all this wisdom from people who've been doing it for 12, 15 plus years. I learn a lot just from listening to them talk. So whenever you are working in the ED and you have certain examples, I'm assuming that you then will use those examples of patient situations to write items. So really your clinical practice is impacting item writing is what it sounds like? Yes, very much so. Anything that was kind of cool or um, we don't see that often, or even if it's just a good, straightforward STEMI, I like to take those situations and apply it directly to items that I write. Yeah, that's really neat. 
So, Lindsay, you have an interesting story to share with us about providing medical care on an airplane. Can you tell us that story? Yes. So my husband and I, I had previously mentioned my husband is an EMT intermediate. And we're on the plane coming back from Hawaii, which is our big like anniversary trip. And we're on the last flight home. We were flying from LA to Chicago. Uh, we were picking up our kids from Chicago. And we get the infamous, if there's any medical professional on board, can you push your call light announcement over the radio or overhead? And we kind of looked at each other and we're hesitating maybe waiting to see if anyone else would push their button. No one did. So we're like, okay, so we push it. And all the flight attendants come running down the aisle from like both directions and they're already crying. And they're like, we think this man's having a stroke or something. We don't really know. Can you please just come? So me and Evan are like, oh man, maybe this is actually something legit. So we started walking down the aisle. He was about 10 rows behind us and he was in the seat all the way next to the window. And he looked to be about late fifties and I could already see him kind of like slumped against the window and he was pale. And I was already like, oh no. And I turned to Evan and I said, find us some muscles. Cause I knew we were going to have to you know, probably get this guy out of this airplane seat, which if anyone's been on an airplane, you know how small it is. So he had already been doing that. He was working on finding someone to help us move him. And I just run straight to him and he was altered, but he could talk to me a little bit. He could tell me his name, uh, but he was very pale, diaphoretic. He looked terrible. So I turned to the flight and I'm like, we got to land this plane. Like right now, he looks really bad. And she was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. So then I turned back to him and by now he's starting to become a little bit more unresponsive. So by now Evan had come up and he had found one other guy and they try to like pick him up and get him on the ground. And he just kind of slumped. He was like unresponsive by that point. So we get him like in the aisle of the planes so now we're on the floor and he went agonal. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he just lost a pulse. So, and at this point, some other lady comes running up and she said she was a cardiology nurse practitioner, I think. And I was like, oh good, more help. But she like throws a stethoscope at me and she's like, what are his heart sounds? I was like, well, I'm more worried about his breathing and I don't think he has a pulse right now than his heart sounds. She's like, well, what if he has a murmur? I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with that information right now. But so at this point we figured out he didn't have a pulse. So we started doing CPR. We managed to drag him back into like the galley area where the flight attendants area is. So we had a little bit more room and they had a lot of equipment on board. Actually, they had like an AED, BVM, oxygen tanks, IVs, IV fluids. They had a lot of stuff. We were pretty impressed. Uh, blood pressure cuffs, pulse oximeter, all kinds of stuff. So we, he was in um, PEA, so we didn't have to shock him or anything like that, but we were doing CPR for about four or five minutes. And then he came back around and started talking to us and everything. He wanted to get back up and get in a seat. And we had to kind of tell him, no, just stay where you are. Um, and in the midst of all of this, we, you know, the pilots trying to emergency land in Salt Lake City and the turbulence was unreal all of the flight attendants were saying they had never seen turbulence like that before which isn't really what you want to hear 
So yeah, we're all like flying everywhere, bouncing off the floor and there's like pretzels falling out of the galley and hitting us in the head. Cause you know, they didn't take time to stop and latch everything. So it was really like something straight out of a movie. Uh, but we managed to land in Salt Lake City safely, and he was still awake and alert and oriented. He could remember getting on the plane and all of that good stuff. So I don't know the long term, how he did in the long term, but he looked pretty good for having just been coding uh, by the time the medics were getting him off the airplane. So that's our big uh, airplane story. Wow, wow. That's, that's really that's really great. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, it's wow, unbelievable. Thanks for taking care of him. I'm sure he appreciated it. So, <laughs> yeah. so another question for you. So, why is lifelong learning important, especially in the healthcare professional? Well, anyone who works in healthcare will tell you that it doesn't stay the same. It's constantly changing. There's new research, there's new evidence based practice that comes out. So the way they did it 20 years ago is certainly not how we do things today. You have to be constantly learning to keep up with the latest uh, research and the latest way to do things. For the emergency nurses, what message do you feel is important for emergency nurses to hear? What message would you like to tell them? It would be to take care of yourself. You can't um, you know, take the best care of your patients unless you're taking care of yourself first. And you need to make sure that you are finding the best way to cope with things, whatever, however that may be, because we work in a very difficult job and you can't, you know, you can't expect to work it and not be affected by the things that we see, whether it's just rude people, you know, that getting cussed out every day really does wear you down, whether you think it does or not. Plus, you know, the traumatic things that we see um, with death and just the, you know, we see some terrible things. So you need to learn how you need to best take care of yourself. And it took me several years, I think, to figure out how to cope with things and make sure that I was dealing with the things that I was going through and not just sweeping it under the rug or pretending like it wasn't there. So definitely is take care of yourself however you need to do that. Gotcha. Understand. Thank you. So you mentioned earlier about not only taking care of yourself, but how important it is for nurses just in general to constantly learn, you know, there's so many new technologies, there's even new viruses, as we know, with with COVID and different viruses that are constantly mutating or coming out that uh, we just didn't even know about five years ago. And so for you personally, as a nurse, what do you, uh, what do you do? And or how do you embody lifelong learning yourself? What are some of the tips that that you use to be uh, more knowledgeable about different disease processes or, or more uh, in tune with different patient care needs that are out there? Sure. One of them is looking for opportunities to learn, such as the CEN role delineation study, like when that email came out. Every time I get one of those, because CEN does, BCEN does send them out semi-frequently, I feel like I always apply for it. Um, so just always looking for opportunities to be involved with other organizations like the ENA or BCEN. Um, another one is every now and again, I'll crack open my TNCC book, my trauma nurse book, and I'll just kind of grace through there. If I have something happen at work, I didn't fully understand. Sometimes I'll come home that night and I'll, you know, Google or just try to read up on it. If it was like a disease process I hadn't seen before or 
um, you know, had seen it present in a different way, that kind of thing. Also just feeding off the wisdom of the people that you're working with. So the more experienced nurses, the doctors, you know, the ones I work with at least are usually very good about sharing their knowledge if I don't understand something. Um, and I think it's just good advice. If you don't understand something, you should never just, oh, okay, and just do it anyways. You should always understand fully why you're giving that medication or not giving that medication or, you know, always understanding why you're doing what you're doing. So asking those questions in real time while you're at work is important. And then following up with more research and reading when you get home as well. And I follow a lot of uh, doctors and other people on like Instagram and quick little reading, you know, but those are just some little things that I do to try to learn and stay current. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. And you mentioned, uh, obviously, you've told the story about the airplane, and that that was pretty unbelievable. I'm just imagining the pretzels falling down on you while you're trying to do CPR. (laughs) But can you tell us about maybe a bedside clinical uh, patient story or anything in particular that made an impact on your career, whether it's either a patient you took care of or perhaps even a family member, somebody that really impacted your career? So the patient that immediately comes to mind that definitely made a a lifelong impact on me, not just in my career. Um, And I guess it's not necessarily positive. So if we want to edit this part out and switch it out with a different story, we most certainly can. (laughs) It's okay. Just a patient that made an impact and and why it was impactful to you. Okay. Um, I was 30 weeks pregnant with my third baby rider and a patient came in who was hypoglycemic and also had overdosed on, I think it was cocaine. And he was somewhat somnolent, you know, very drowsy, you know, it's very hypoglycemic. But as soon as we gave the uh, D50, the dextrose, he went into full on Hulk mode and just the thrashing and just, you know, out of control wild. I guess all the cocaine in his system probably helped with that. Um, but he ended up kicking me in the stomach and I ended up having a placental abruption and went into labor and was, uh, in the hospital for over a week. Um, and then it was like very difficult pregnancy the whole rest of the time until he was born, thankfully, safely, and with no problems. Um, but I think more than just the physical effects of that, there's a lot of mental and emotional effects from that. And I found that a lot of my coping mechanisms of being able to keep, work at work and home at home, suddenly I wasn't able to do that anymore. And so that's kind of what I was talking about before with you need to learn how to take care of yourself because that put me through a lot of stuff, trying to figure out how can I continue to do my job and not have nightmares of my kids being harmed, you know? Yeah. So do what you need to do to take care of yourself and make sure you're healthy in every way so that you can best do your job and also still function at home and take care of your family. So that's definitely the patient that had the biggest impact on me, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I completely understand why. And um, even though I I know that was a tough situation for you uh, before and and definitely took a while for you to cope with that, I appreciate you sharing because I, I think it's really important for nurses to hear that, not only from the importance of understanding the physical violence that we face, but knowing how that then translates to so many other aspects of our lives, whether it's through our children, our spouse, or, um, you know, just the coping itself that, that can be very difficult and take a long, long time to, to deal with. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad everything turned out well with your child. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I agree hundred percent. 
So we're going to change uh, focus a little bit here. We're going to change direction. We're going to do a few rapid-fire questions. What would you be doing if you were not in your current role? What would you be doing if you weren't a nurse? Probably just a stay-at-home mom. Okay. That's good. I'm sure your kiddos would love that, wouldn't they? Yes, they would. They keep, they keep you busy. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. <laughs> now, I have three categories regarding your favorites. So I'm going to ask you three different things about favorites. Feel free to say skip if you want. But uh, here we go. Favorite book? Lord of the Rings. Okay. Favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and favorite song? Oh, see, that one's much harder. Right now, probably Jubilee by Maverick City Music or anything by Maverick City Music. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. I figured with the kids, maybe your favorite book would have been Dr. Seuss. Well, you didn't ask which one I read the most. You just said my favorite. <laughs> well, that's a good question, too. Right. right. Yes. Well, I just learned that there's no song called Lord of the Rings, so we, we were able to break that. Oh, I thought she was going to say a lot of yeah. <laughs> No, Lindsay, uh, I, we do, again, appreciate you being on with us. Just a couple uh, quick questions at the end here. Uh, the one from me is, do you have any other hobbies or interests that you wanted to share with the group? Anything else that you do that uh, that you enjoy? Hmm. See, that's hard because now as a mom, I don't. I feel like I don't do a lot of hobby type things, but I like to sing and play guitar. And once upon a time, I did a lot of reading, not really anymore. Used to horseback ride and hike and camp and outdoor fun stuff like that. But recently, it's mostly just maybe guitar singing and playing with my kids. Do, do you play guitar to the kids? Do you play it and sing to them? Oh, I bet they love that. Oh, they love it. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. If our audience would like to follow you online uh, from social media, I guess you have an Instagram account, right? I do. Good. Any other accounts that they should know about or just Instagram? No, that's the only one, really. I'm not super active on Instagram. No, that's fine. But... <laughs> and for our audience, when they go to look at the description of this podcast, you'll see her Instagram account out there, so you'll be able to contact her if you like to. Well, great. Well, you know, I want to thank you for this time, Lindsay, for joining us for an episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you so much for sharing your time and stories with us. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. And to all our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue on with BCN and Friends and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcen at bcn.org. I am Mark Eggers here with Michael Dexter. On behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time. <laughs>